We are excited this morning to continue in our worship service today, not just to worship with our words or our giving, but also through the word. Um, I'm encouraged to be able to welcome uh, a guest speaker with us this morning. Um, If you're familiar with our fellowship, you know that the Bridge Community Church is affiliated with the Assemblies of God Fellowship. Um, The Assemblies of God is a Pentecostal fellowship that began over 100 years ago in the western, west coast of the United States, started in a little place called Azusa. And uh, over 100, you know Azusa? (laughs) Oh my goodness, you were born in Covina. I don't know where that is, but I mean... In Azusa. Okay, so that's good. It's a little place that no one ever would have heard of, and God used a place like Azusa to turn the world upside down over 100 years ago. So I'm sharing that because our Assemblies of God Fellowship, we're a part of the fellowship. We are part of the Pennsylvania-Delaware District. Its home base is in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, that covers the Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, and the state of Delaware. And we have with us a guest today from the Pendel District. He is the Director of Children's Ministry. Uh, he has been in that role for just about over a year. Before that, him and his wife, Candace, were children's pastors in their church. And it was your home church, wasn't it? Wasn't the church you grew up in? Yes. Yeah, over yes, 21 years, yeah. he was the children's pastor, and he's with us here this morning. So if you would give a warm bridge welcome to Jeremiah Gruber. Thank you so much. Well, good morning. It's good to be in Lansdale. It's also good to be in Lansdale because the last couple of weeks I've been traveling and traveling over three and a half hours on a Sunday morning to get to where I needed to go. Um, but it's good. This was only an hour and 15 minutes away from uh, my home area of Lebanon. How many of you have ever been to Lebanon or Hershey maybe? Maybe even Hershey you probably have been. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, Really quick, I want to put a picture up of my family. They could not be here with me this morning. Um, So uh, to your left, there is my daughter, Avery. I'll share a little bit of her story later on. She's nine years old. And then my wife, uh, Candace, and then my daughter, Emma. She'll be 11 later this month on our anniversary. So I was blessed. How many of you men know it's hard to remember all the dates? (laughs) So uh, my daughter came on our anniversary. So I have uh, one date covers two two things. And then Avery on the left there, she was supposed to be due within four days of my birthday. It would have made it easier. And how many of you have ever been to Shady Maple? And I was hoping that she would have been born on my birthday so we get two free meals at Shady Maple <laughs> on the same day. So that's uh, in the middle there, Emma. She'll be 12 later this uh, month on our anniversary and her birthday. Um, and then my little guy down there, that's Weston. He's four years old. Last time we came and shared at Bridge Community Church, he was not even thought of yet. Um, we had our temporary guardianship of our godson, and he was living with us uh, for like seven to eight months. He would have been with us last time we were here. So it's been quite a while since we've been there. And of course, then that's me on the right there. But as Pastor Paul shared, uh, I was a children's pastor for 21 years. Uh, the last six years of that ministry, I did two roles. I was kids ministry, and then I also was the worship leader at the church. So I know right what you guys are going through. Sometimes through transition, you, you do multiple things. But aren't you thankful to have such solid pastors and leadership here? Can you say thank you to them? Sometimes you just need somebody from the outside to come in and remind you how blessed you are. 
Um, and I've gotten to work with Pastor Paul and Lisa and David and their family and Pastor Christine at kids camp. So part of my new role is to run our kids camps. And so if you have kids anywhere from that are finishing first to sixth grade, we would love to have them join us at our Pendel kids camp this summer. Uh, I believe your church is coming July 13th through the 16th. It was at Pendel camps where at the age of 10 years old, I received my calling into ministry. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at a Pendel kids camp. And the year I received my calling in ministry, I was only one of two kids who went from my church. So as I'm traveling to different churches, I remind you, it doesn't matter if you have a big group of kids coming or even a small group, everyone matters to Christ. And at that camp, I was one of two. They split us up. One boy went with one group. Another, I went with another. And at that camp is where I received God's call into my life. So if you have kids, I'd encourage you to let them join us for kids camp this, this summer. There's just something about getting into God's word, getting away from the, the daily nitty gritty and just being in his presence. Well, I'm excited to continue here today in your Bible engagement uh, project as you guys are working through that and studying the Word of God and engaging with the Word of God and allowing it to change you. We're going to be taking a look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Now, how many of you have ever heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6? And if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read through that in just a moment. You know, many times people think of the story of Daniel and the lion's den as just a kid's Sunday school lesson, because that's typically the first time that you hear it as a kid. But I want you to remember today that the Word of God is not just a book of stories that apply to children, but they apply to us today. And we're going to learn something from Daniel today that I hope applies to your life and to your families. And as we look at Daniel chapter 6... We have to remember that Daniel was in captivity for a while in Babylon. He was taken as a young man, but then later on in his life is when this story takes place. And so if you're there, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 27. It says, Now when Daniel learned that a decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. And in the verses before this, before we continue here, in the verses before, we read that people had it out for Daniel. How many of you have ever had someone have it out for you? Oh, wow, you're blessed. Wow, let me ask that question again. How many of you have ever had someone out for you? How many of you know there's people that, don't just, that just don't like us sometimes, and they want to see us fail? There were people who had it out for Daniel. From the time Daniel was taken in captivity, people had it out for him. And now many, many years later, they still had it out for him. Why? Because there's just something. When you honor God, when you live the life that you're supposed to live, people don't like that for some reason, because they suddenly think that you're, you think you're better than everybody else. But is that why we live for Christ? No, we live to have a right heart with Christ. We live to have a right heart with God. And as we continue here in verse 11, it says, These men went as a group, found Daniel praying, and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Verse 13, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. 
your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king has issued can be changed. Have you ever had somebody try to back you into a corner? Have you ever had somebody try to trick you in your faith and deceive you? Well, these people were deceiving the king. They had backed him into a corner. These leaders who were supposed to be leaders had actually twisted the truth and now gotten the king backed into a corner. So the king gave the order, and then we're in verse 16 here now. The king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own sendit ring, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Verse 18, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you've served continually, been able to rescue, from, rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they even reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And he endures forever, and his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now as we look at this story today, what truly happened in scripture, we see that God stepped in in a powerful way because Daniel had put his faith in him. How many of you have ever chosen to follow Christ and put your faith in him? Many of you in this room today, if not all of you, but I don't know about you. I don't like to just look at the end of the story because this is towards the end of Daniel's life. I like to see how we got there. As a parent of three children and parents in this room, have you ever walked into a room or grandparents, have you ever walked into a room and found just a mess of things in the room, like a mess of toys, or somehow your car has gotten trashed by your kids and you go, how did this happen? Anybody ever? And you wish you could just go back and see, how did all of these little things get wherever they got? Well, it happened and you weren't there to witness it, but sometimes I wish I could have been there to witness it. Today, I want us to take a look and step back and say, how did Daniel get to this point 
where when the king decreed he could no longer pray to his God, he continued to pray to his God. God shut the mouths of the lions and Daniel was saved. How did he get to this point? I'd like to show you now a timeline of David, or Daniel's life. Sorry, if I said the word Daniel, I'm just getting it mixed up there. I apologize. Now, I know this is small, but as we look up here, the yellow there is Daniel's life. And all the way over to the left is where we see chapters 1 and 2 of Daniel. In chapter 1, we learn that Daniel was taken from his hometown He was taken when Judah was taken captive. The kings of Judah were paying now for their sins. They did not follow God, and so God was finally allowing judgment to happen. How many of you parents have ever given your kids warnings? Okay, and you say, okay, next time something might happen if you do it. You know, if you don't actually follow through with consequences, do kids ever learn what discipline really is and what right and wrong really is? God had given many warnings to his people, many warnings. And finally, because they did not listen, because they did not obey, he had to lay down the law. He had to say, I'm now going to let you go through a difficult time because you choose, you chose not to obey me. So Daniel and many of the young men were taken from their hometown. But even before Daniel was taken, we know that he was probably a part of the royal family, which means he received an education, not just in, you know, mathematics or the things that we consider education, but he considered an education in the word of God. In fact, because he quoted Jeremiah so often, people think that one of his favorite authors was Jeremiah. Now, As we look back there, you can see the statue on the far left. How many of you remember early on in Daniel's life, he chose not to eat the king's food? He chose to obey what he was taught, and he and the other men just like him that ate the way he did actually came out healthier than the king's advisors. So Daniel made a good choice there. Later on, how many of you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the statue that was built by the king and they had to bow down whenever the trumpet was blown, whenever they sounded that horn, they had to bow down and worship the king. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down and worship the king. They would only bow down and worship the king of kings that we sang about this morning. So there's a lot of history here in Daniel's life before we get to the lion's den. Later on in Daniel's life, right smack dab in the middle there, you'll see in Daniel chapter 4, if you see that little plant, that little tree, Daniel was actually asked to interpret a dream that the king had. The king had a dream that a healthy tree had grown very tall. It was the tallest tree in the land. But in that same dream, the tree got chopped down and it no longer grew and it was destroyed. And Daniel interpreted that dream for King Nebuchadnezzar saying, that's what's going to happen to you. You were once a mighty, powerful leader, but you're going to be chopped down and your kingdom is going to be taken from you. So Daniel had quite a history before we get to this point of Daniel in the lion's den. Now, I want to share an analogy with you this morning. Is that okay? How many of you like analogies? How many of you know that Jesus taught with parables I'm a kid's pastor. I've been a kid's pastor at heart. My heart is discipleship. Jesus taught with illustrations. And I believe illustrations are not just good for kids, but they're also good for adults. Now, how many of you enjoy a delicious apple? Okay, an apple a day keeps the what away? Doctor away. Not that there's anything wrong with our doctor, but apples 
are supposed to continue to help us stay healthy. They're full of nutrients. How many of you have recently purchased an apple at a store? Anybody ever re- recently? Okay, perfect. Now, how many of you have recently eaten an apple? Okay, good. When you took a bite of that apple, or when you purchased it at the store, did any of you stop and think, I wonder who planted the seed, who watered that tree, who took care of that tree, who helped make sure that tree grew so that I could now have this healthy apple? We don't think that, do we? None of us, we just bite into the apple, and then when we're done with it, you know, we get rid of it or put it down the garbage disposal, or if you're in central PA, they just throw it out into the fields, and, and the deers eat it. Not, you know, you don't throw it out, the deer eat it. Yeah, we just throw it out the core out the, into the fields. So when, you got, when I got this apple, the first thing I thought was not who planted the seed, but could you go ahead and put that picture of the seed up there on the screen? Many times, we want to see the fruit We could care less about how the fruit got there. And in Daniel's life, we can look at Daniel and the lion's den and say, man, that was great faith. But where was that faith planted? When did that faith begin? That faith began when he was a child being taught by his parents to follow the laws of the Lord. Those seeds were planted, those seeds were watered, and those seeds grew. So just like we took a look back at Daniel's life to where it began, I want to take a look back this morning at the process of being a healthy disciple, the process of following Jesus. How do you and I become a person that when a king is threatening to kill us because we're not going to bow down and pray to him, that we're going to have the faith that says, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to live my life for Christ no matter what anybody says. See, we want good fruit. How many of you would believe you want the fruit of the Spirit? And who was the young lady, the young lady that led worship this morning? What's her first name? Summer. Summer. She even prayed it when she was praying and sharing that we want the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want the fruit, but in order to have the fruit, we have to go back to the beginning where it's planted. And that's what I love about kids' ministry because the majority of people who come to know Christ come to know Christ as a child. So today, if you're taking notes, we're going to spell out the word tree. So as you're taking notes, if you want to write the letter T first, let's take a look at today's sermon title, Well-Grounded and Well-Rounded. I believe that Daniel was a well-grounded person and a well-rounded person. And notice there, well-grounded comes first. Before a tree can grow above the ground and bear fruit, it has to be what? well well-grounded. It has to be in fertile soil. So today, the T in tree stands for this. Two ways a tree can grow, or two types of trees. And I'm very distracted by those two people back there this morning. You know what the two types of trees are, okay. What are the two types of trees? Coconut and Christmas tree. Um, I'm sorry, those are not the two types of trees we're going to talk about this morning, okay? But thank you guys for helping me out. Like I said, I'm a kid's pastor, always going to be a kid's pastor. And those two look like the naughtiest people in here. (laughs) 
So to keep their attention, I gave them those two hats, and I said, as soon as I mention the first point, jump up and yell that out. And Pastor Christine, since you're in the room, you can use that in kids' church sometime. (laughs) If you ever have kids who are having a hard time paying attention, or your husband, or your wife having a hard time paying attention, tell them to listen for that key word. And you guys listened back there. You threw the hats on, and you were ready to go. Well, this morning, we're not going to talk about two types of trees necessarily, but rather two ways a tree can grow. How many of you, just off the top of your head, start to think of the different types of trees. We got maple trees, right? Chestnut trees. What other types of trees are there? Oak and apple tree, pine tree. We could sit here all morning coming up with names of trees. But did you know that the Bible says there's really only two types of trees? The Bible says it. There's only two types of trees or two ways a tree can grow. Daniel could have made two choices. He could have bowed to the king or he could bow to the Lord, his savior. So this morning, I want you to think about this. There's only two ways that you can live your life. There's either the right or the wrong. There's either the wide or the narrow. There's either good or evil. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, so if you'd like to turn there, you may, but we're also going to have it up on the screen. Here are my life verses. I love these verses. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8 says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and who turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. So there's option number one. Now here in the Philly area, you know that you guys are what sports team, what eagle, or I'm sorry, what football team do you like? Eagles, that's right. You know, in the, in the, the NFL, how many football teams are there? Anybody know? 32 teams. There's 32 choices. But here in Philly, it's either us or them, everybody else, right? There really is, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan, all right? Any Eagles fans in here? Fly, eagles, fly. It's either us or them, all right? Scripture tell, tells us there's not 32 choices of the way to live. It's either this or that. And here's option number one. We can be like King Nebuchadnezzar, who was chopped down. He was like a stunted shrub in the desert. No hope for the future. We sang earlier, hope has a name. And you guys didn't even know I was going to be preaching on that this morning. See, people who put their hope in other people are always going to be let down. And they're going to be like a stunted shrub living in a barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. Who wants to be that tree? Well, let's take a look at the alternative. The alternative is in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they go right on producing delicious fruit. That's alternative number two. Those are the two types of trees that Scripture talks about. How many of you would rather be that second type of tree? How many of you would rather plant the next generation of our kids and our teenagers to be those types of trees? And that's why it's so important what kids' ministries and youth ministries do at a church. Because did you know, I have some stats there, and guys, we're going to jump ahead to some of those stats a couple slides down. Stats tell us that the Barner Research Group says that all facets of moral and spiritual development that start as early as the age of two. 
And by the age of nine, most children have their spiritual moorings in place. By the age of 13, their spiritual identity is largely set in place. How many of you have ever tried to plant a garden where there, were, where there was once weeds? Anybody ever try to do that? What do you have to do in order to plant the garden? You have to get rid of the weeds. And I understand you're having a work day here. You're going to probably be pulling some weeds. In order to lay down the nice mulch, you have to get rid of the weeds first. See, many times we wait till a person's an adult to try to help them grow good fruit, and they've already been broken and hurt, and they've already had a lot of things happen in their life. And so what do we got to do? We got to get rid of all the brokenness and hurt, right? And many of you know that because you have gone through brokenness and hurt. But if you choose to follow Christ as a child, the fertile soil has no weeds already intertwining with the, the seeds. And so that's why it's important to begin to train up children now. But it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. Jesus Christ is that king who gets rid of all sin and makes your fertile soil again so that you can grow up into that tree planted by the riverbank. Other places in Scripture say you can detect us by our fruit. There's either good fruit or bad fruit. So this morning, the first thing I want to leave you with is that there's only two ways that you can grow. There's no in-between. Scripture says there, it is better to be hot or cold. There is no lukewarm. We read that in the book of Revelation. Because Scripture says he will spit us out of our mouth, out of his mouth, referring to Jesus, if we are lukewarm. It's better if we're just either hot or cold for Jesus. There's only two choices. The second thing here today, the R, if you can go ahead and put that up there. The R stands for roots before fruits. Would you say that with me? Roots before fruits. Just a little louder this morning. Roots before fruits. And I want to leave you with this quote here before we look at a scripture. But this quote says that trees that have a taproot are often the hardest to uproot. How many of you have ever studied trees before? Trees have a taproot that go deep. And trees that have a taproot that goes deep, meaning they are alone. He's the source of their taproot. And all of their life and living comes from him and from him alone. He's the source of everything. They are the hardest to uproot. Those who are connected to God as their taproot will be the hardest to uproot. And in case you're starting to get tired here this morning, show this next picture for me, please. This is the root system of a coffee tree. How many of you love coffee? I love coffee. I didn't drink coffee until my uh, middle daughter was born and she had a stay in the NICU at the hospital. My wife finally got me on board with coffee. But as you look at the root system of the coffee tree, it has roots that go out. And I'm going to get to what those roots are that go out in a moment. But the deep roots are the ones that pull in the nourishment. And as you can see, those are the tap roots or the deep roots right there. Before we can produce good fruit, before Daniel became the man who stood up against lions and who stood up against a king, he had to have a solid root system tapped into his God and into his Savior. John 15.1 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And as we continue to read here, this is where I think that Jesus was either a children's pastor because he repeated himself many times. And when you're working with kids, you've got to repeat yourself many times because repetition is the key to learning. Um, because he definitely was not a wife who has to repeat herself to her husband all the time. <laughs> 
for the point to get through. So that's where I think Jesus was really speaking to all of us, knowing that we need repetition, not just children, right? How many of you need to hear something several times before it finally gets through our skull? Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, because apart from me you you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. What does he say again here in verse 7? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. How many times in those verses did he say remain? See, before we can produce solid fruit, before we can be left standing like Daniel who stood up for what he believed in, we have to make sure that we are planted deep and connected to the root. Many times as Christians, we try to bear all this good fruit, but we forget to stay connected to the one who is our source. We can come to church once a week, but does that get us through? Does that keep us connected? I brought my daughter's plant here that she planted at school. This plant has grown very quickly because it has several things that are allowing it to grow. But what would happen if I decided, this is a bean, by the way, It's not a full-size tree, but if I planted that seed or that bean, and all I did was planted it one time a week for about an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, and then I removed that seed from the soil and from the water and from the sunlight, would it grow? See, it's not enough to just come to church on a Sunday morning for adults. It's not enough for parents who have kids to just bring your kids to church an hour or two on a Sunday or midweek and expect the church to raise your kids or Pastor Paul to help you grow. It's his job to teach the word, but it's your job the rest of the week to remain in the word, to remain in God's presence. You know, there are four main things that a tree needs to grow or a plant needs to grow. And could you put those up on the screen, that next picture for me, please? We need the soil, right? And the soil, I compare the soil to the word of God because the soil is what helps give the nutrients to the plant or to the tree. God's word keeps us planted. How many of you have ever heard saying, somebody say, be planted in God's word? When you plant yourself in God's word, it is the solid soil that the plant and that your life grows in. The tree cannot grow unless it's planted by the streams of living water, Scripture tells us in Jeremiah, we read earlier. The second thing up there, sunlight. It needs light to grow. And we need our connection with Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor, right? Jesus the Son is our intercessor to God the Father, And just like a tree needs sun to grow, we need to pray and and allow Jesus to intercede on our behalf. Why did Daniel get to the point that he could stand up against roaring lions? Because he was brave on his own or because he prayed several times a day, did we read? 
He prayed several times a day. He read the scriptures. He remained planted day in and day out, not just on Sunday morning. The other things up there, the rain, the water, a tree or a plant needs water to grow. Just like a tree needs water to grow, we need healthy relationships. I've heard it said that some people are like a fountain and some people are like a drain. How many of you have people in your life that are like a drain to your life? They drain you. How many of you have people in your life that are like a fountain that refresh and restore you? You need solid believers. You need people like these grow groups that you have going on and your connection groups that you're going through the Bible Engagement Project. You need other people to help you grow just like a plant needs the water to grow. And then finally, the carbon dioxide, what we get from oxygen, That is like the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've been in the church for a long time, how many of you remember the song, Breathe, it's called? This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. We need the Holy Spirit. He is the part of God that lives in us, that dwells in us, that helps us grow into the person that we need to be. So just like this plant needs to be rooted and grounded in those four things, not just one time a week, But every day it needs to remain planted. Don't you think that you and I need to remain planted in God's word, in his spirit, in the church where we can fellowship with other believers and in prayer and communication with the son? Just like a plant needs those four things to grow, we need those four things to grow. See, God never designed for us to only be in those four things one time a week during our Sunday morning service. God didn't design our kids to be in it either. If you're a parent in this room, before there was the church, there was the family. And let me remind you that if you're a parent or a grandparent in this room, your job, more than Pastor Christine and her team, your job and your calling from God is to raise your kids in the faith and to pass on faith to the next generation. Your job is to keep them planted in those four things throughout the week. Now, the fourth thing, E, Enemy alert. You can jump to that next picture there. Was there one before that? Can you put, go to that one before that? There it is. All right. See, I put a candy as a background there because this is my reminder to pass out some candy. Now, Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul, do you think anybody's going to be offended if I throw some candy out? Okay. So uh, let's see. Pastor Paul, would you give me a hand? There's two bags here. This was donated by my children from their Easter baskets. They don't know that they donated it. Um. So we're going to go ahead and just throw some candy out here. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to begin to throw some. Everybody get your hands ready. I don't want anybody to get hit. Ready? There, throw some candy out there. Throw some candy out there. If you didn't, if you didn't get a piece of candy, ask, pass some down. Pass some down. Pass some down. If you didn't get a piece of candy, ask somebody near you, and maybe they will share some. We'll throw some back there. Ready? And a little bit farther in the back. I don't, I don't want to hit the baby. Okay, ready? Did, it, did everybody get a piece of candy? Or does anybody need some? You need some? You need someone? There you go, man. Anybody else need a piece of candy? There you go. All right, if it's not what you like, trade it with the person next to you. Just for the record, all liability claims should be directed to the Pendel Ministry Network. Pendel Ministry right Network. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't, I, as I was throwing, one of them started to go towards the baby back there. I'm so sorry. She's fine. He or she? He. Okay. He's fine. You played softball? Okay. Plus, you're a mom. 
Moms can multi, they can hold a baby and fend off, like, yeah. Now, that just gives us a break halfway through here. Um, Enemy alert is the next E. So enemy alert. There is an enemy of discipleship. There's an enemy who doesn't want to see you grow into the tree that you need to become, into the believer that you need to become. Just like Daniel had people who were his enemies trying to take him down, trying to get him killed by the lions because he followed God, there is an enemy that fights against you. Now, how many of you have already eaten your piece of candy? Okay. Sir, could you hold up that wrapper for me, please? There is an enemy who wants to devour and destroy in 1 Peter 5.8. And you can go ahead and put that up on the screen there. I believe we have that. In 1 Peter 5.8, we read this. That the enemy seeks to, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So just like Daniel was about to be eaten by lions. There is actual an enemy, the enemy of all enemies, the devil. Satan wants to devour and destroy everything that's good in you. He wants to take the seeds that are planted and instead let weeds grow up in their place. And just as quickly as you devoured and destroyed that candy, that is as quickly as the enemy seeks to devour children Teenagers, young adults, and adults. And I would be safe to say that there are people in this room, there are people in this community who are walking around empty and broken inside, and all that's left is the outside wrapper, the shell. Ooh, it got quiet quick, didn't it? Because just as quickly as some of you devoured that candy, the enemy is looking to devour and destroy anything that's good that God is growing inside of us. And just like you ate that good candy, the enemy devours and destroys, and instead, weeds grow up in the place of where the seeds were once planted. And that's why it's so important to know that there is somebody trying to take you down, just like the people were trying to take Daniel down. And that's why we go back to that previous point that you need to have the roots before the fruits come because during a difficult time, you will be left standing even when the enemy comes. If we look back at those verses in Jeremiah, the verses in Jeremiah said that even though difficult times of drought came, that tree continued to produce good fruit. Daniel continued to produce good fruit even while he was in captivity. I think it's safe to say that nobody in this room is in captivity. We live in a pretty free country, even though things might be going differently than how we want them to go in leadership or in decisions that people make. Do we still live in a free country? None of us are held in captivity like Daniel was. But yet Daniel continued through those difficult times to stay strong, and he became that solid tree next to the water that always produced fruit. Yesterday, my father-in-law, well, actually, it was supposed to be last weekend. My father-in-law has a tree that's about 90 feet tall in their backyard, and it was dying. Branches were beginning to fall on their playhouse where my kids, his grandkids, play. There's a daycare right next door. Branches in a storm would begin to fall there. And so last weekend, I was supposed to help him take down this tree. I mean, the, the, bottom, the base of it was at least that round. Huge tree. Been there for over 100 years, probably. And 
It ended up getting pushed to this weekend, so that's why I'm moving around a little bit sore. Maybe I'm not moving around as much as, because he bought, or he rented a lift so that we could take that tree down, because it was no longer producing fruit. It was no longer growing green. That once strong, mighty tree, just like King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel's life, who got chopped down, and that dream that we read about earlier, or I showed you about earlier, he was chopped down. You know what caused that tree to fail? There were some beetles that had gotten into it. And the beetles slowly destroyed that tree. In fact, as we took it down, we found tons of more beetles. And just like those beetles were the enemy of that tree, there is an enemy of your tree. There's an enemy of your life. And there's an enemy looking to take everything that's good that God has put in you and to devour and destroy it. Matthew 12 33 says, a tree is identified by its fruit. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Sometimes we allow things in our life that destroy us from within. Fear, anxiety, watching or listening to things that we probably shouldn't be watching or listening to. Could you jump back to the picture that was before this slide, please? Should be two pictures. Go back. Uh, You know what? Nope, not that one. I'm sorry. Yep, keep going. Keep going. There should be one there with some oil, like an oil spill. How many of you have ever seen an oil spill? Okay. So there's, look at what, look at what the oil spill here has done to these plants and these trees. The oil has soaked into the roots, soaked up through the tree and destroyed it. And just like the oil has destroyed those trees, we need to be careful of what we let in and allow into our lives. Because if we're not careful, we'll be destroyed from within. Because we've allowed the enemy to take what was once good that God has put in us. And we've allowed him to destroy us. Final thing that I want to share, that final E in the word tree, is encouragement. And the sub-point to this is we need to support each other. That's what the church is. And that's what many of you can be for kids in this church and in this community. And I want to share with you an illustration to help you understand what I mean by encouragement. While on a tour of California's giant sequoias, the guide pointed out that the sequoia tree has most of its roots just barely below the surface. So everybody go like this. Put your fingers out like that. Yeah. So they go down just a little bit and then they spread out. It really only has one or two roots that go down deep, known as the tap root. And one of the tourists exclaimed, that's impossible. I'm a country boy and I know that if the roots don't grow deep into the earth, strong winds will blow the trees over. Not the sequoia trees, said the guide. They grow only in groves, and their roots intertwine under the surface of the earth. So when strong winds come, they hold each other up. So there's a lesson here. If we want to be the type of tree that grows solid, we need to have the roots before the fruits. We need to connect down into the tap root, but the rest of our roots need to spread out. And isn't that a good picture of what the family of God is? If you've never gone and visited the giant sequoia trees, it's cool because amongst all those tall trees, there's little ones growing up. And those little ones begin to rock, lock roots with the bigger ones. 
See, the church is not just the church of people that are in here today, but we got to be thinking about who's growing up around us. We got to be thinking, how can we lock roots with the next generation of kids and teenagers and young adults? And how can we lock roots with them? How can we get them connected deep, but then also connected to the whole? So that as they grow, the larger, stronger trees protect the younger trees and help them then grow into tall, solid trees. Why did Daniel get to where he got? It's because he had solid people around him who locked roots with him. He had friends like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who locked roots with him when he was younger. And as he grew, now he was the tall one. And in the story we read in Daniel and the lion's den, he was able to stand strong even when the winds of life blew against him. We read in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth of love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's what a sequoia grove does. They're not blown over by winds because they lock roots. They go down deep with one root, just like we should go down deep into Christ. We should allow ourselves to remain planted, but then they also lock roots going out and help each other and support each other. That's what the church is supposed to be, an encouragement and a support to each other. So, In review here today and in conclusion, as we look at that T-R-E-E, there's only two ways that you can live. Daniel had two choices. He either bowed to the king and only prayed to him, or he would continue to pray to his God. You and I only have two choices. There's only two outcomes of our life. We're either in heaven one day hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, or we're on the flip side. Hearing, flee from me, I never knew you. We only have two choices. We only have two ways that we can live our life. Are we going to be that healthy tree planted by the streams of water who trusts in God alone, whose hope is in Christ alone? Or are we going to put our hope and trust in ourselves and in other men and women and become like that stunted shrub? We need to allow roots to grow deep, before we start to see the fruits. You know, an apple tree takes five to seven years, typically, before you actually start to see fruit. Basically, like Pastor Christine, when you start working with kids, you don't always see the fruit that you plant in them. It usually comes out five to seven years later, and even later than that, like it did in Daniel's life. But the roots have to come before the fruits. Just like nobody goes back and thanks the person who took care of the apple tree, that had to be taken care of to get this fruit. In order for you to be a healthy person growing in Christ, you have to start with the seeds being planted and your roots going deep. The second or the first E, the enemy of discipleship, your enemy is not your kids. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not anybody else in this room or anybody who is flesh and blood. You have one enemy, and that's the devil. And he will quickly devour and destroy you, leaving that empty shell like you have left empty candy wrappers if you're not careful. 
And then finally, encouragement. We need to encourage each other. That's what the body of Christ is to be. We need to spread out. Daniel was able to continue in his faith because he had people around him. Yeah, he was in exile. He was in captivity, but he still had people that came with him and locked roots with him, and they stood together. So this morning, I want to leave you with this. And Pastor Paul, if you and your team want to get ready to close us with a song this morning. Everyone in this room will face storms in their life. Every one of you will face difficult times like Daniel faced. You'll face difficult choices. Notice, let's go back to Jeremiah really quick. I believe I have those verses in there one more time. Again, here's the first choice. You can be like that stunted shrub and put your trust in humans and turn your heart away from God, or you can be the alternative. Let's put verses 7 and 8 back up there. But blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that go deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. Notice it doesn't say that Christians, you're not going to go through heat. It never says that. As Christians, we are going to face difficult times. As a follower of Christ, just like Daniel, you're going to have people who come against you, who live different than you, people who want you to bow to the ways of the land instead of to your God. It's going to happen. It even promises us in Scripture. But I love this last part. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they go on producing delicious fruit. So it's not a matter of if difficult times are going to come. It's a matter of when they come. Are you going to be planted like Daniel was? Remember, Daniel didn't just face lions and face the king. One day, he didn't just decide to do that. It started when he was planted firmly in the word of God as a young child. And he continued to grow into the man that God had him to be. Are you going to be the person who God wants you to be? Are you going to plant yourself and put your hope in him alone? One of the toughest times of our life was when our daughter was 20 weeks in the womb. We went to the 20-week ultrasound, and they told us to abort our little girl. They told us that she had some major issues. And I, as a pastor, even though I have heard these things, I've preached these things, I was upset. I was angry. I was confused. My wife and I went through a very difficult time with our middle daughter, and I told you I'd tell her, tell her story. She was diagnosed with CDH, congenital diaphragmatic hernia, meaning her diaphragm right here had a hole in it. So the stomach and intestines, things that belong down here, can creep up into the lung cavity, and your heart and your lung doesn't develop right. They told us there's only a 50% chance that she would survive, and they told us to take her life before we even had her. My wife lost it in that hospital room. We didn't go ballistic on anybody, but she just fell apart in tears. We went home that day saying, there's no way. We told the doctors that day, we believe in God. And we believe that no matter what difficult time we're going through, our roots are planted by the water. We're going to produce good fruit out of this. We trusted God, and now you see her today, nine years old, the little girl that they said would never run track and field because her lungs weren't developed, had surgery at four days old. They fixed that hole. And 
Three weeks ago, she had her first track and field practice at the age of nine. And on Friday night, on Friday night, I got to go see her at our first track and field meet. And she ran laps around the field. See, we can choose whether our hope is in men. Those do- I could have put my hope in the doctors and said, you know what? I'm just going to trust what you say. But we trust in what God says. Amen. Daniel trusted in his God. The cool thing is Daniel trusted God whether the lion's mouth would have been shut or not, right? He still trusted. You might be going through a difficult time. You might have a loved one going through a difficult time. You might have a child or a teenager in your life who has walked away from God or never even come to know Christ. Would you be the one who helps them plant seed in solid soil? Would you be the one who helps broken adults get rid of the weeds first so that they can plant their life and grow in their faith? Would you be the one that lives out Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8? Your hope is in him alone. Pastor Paul and his team are going to lead us in this song. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind, over fear and anxiety. And here's what I'd like to do. I know we have some prayer team here today from the Bridge Community Church. If you're a prayer and altar worker, would you come down and would you be willing to stand across the front? We're going to do two things this morning. First of all, if you would say, Jeremiah, I have been robbed of all the goodness inside of me, like the candy wrapper that's empty. And I've been walking around with an empty heart. I've made the shell on the outside look good. Here's the thing. Some of you could take that candy wrapper, piece it back together and trick us and we would think there's still candy in there. Sometimes we walk into church and we walk through life that way. We try to patch the broken pieces, but yet inside we're still broken. As they begin to sing this morning, if that's you, would you step out of your chair and would you come up and ask for prayer this morning that God would restore and rebuild Would he plant in fertile soil again? And then the second thing that I would love you to come up for is if you know someone, if you know someone who has allowed the weeds to grow up in their life, they need the brokenness removed, would you come up and pray and stand in their place? How many of you have friends and family who need to be restored? Would you come up and ask for prayer in their place? Because they're not maybe here this morning. Would you ask that God would begin to rebuild and restore them? Let's do that right now as they begin to sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.